certainly good for us to be able to come together on this Lord's Day morning. The blessing that's ours, the appreciation of all the good things about us that God has provided us, given to us, and here for you and for me to use. You know, the services of the church, even as we come together on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings, we do these things recognizing that as saints throughout the ages have done them, they have found tremendous source of not only encouragement, but sources, of course, in the things that are needful in daily walk of life. We study from the Word of God, and today, I hope you have your Bible open to that text that Ryan read earlier. In the 136th Psalm, we'll be focusing the lesson today on the entirety of that particular psalm. And as we do that, the focus will be thanksgiving. Now, we all know that Thursday of this week is that holiday set aside as Thanksgiving. And since that is such a biblical topic, I thought our lesson today would fairly also consider that same idea. This opening slide is an introduction to those thoughts. The Bible uses some version of the word thank almost 140 times, scattered between the Old and the New Testament. And interestingly enough, the majority of them is in the New Testament. You today, you and I today are in a position to appreciate reasons for thanksgiving and reasons for thankfulness and reasons to give thanks. And today our lesson will just be a reflection on Psalm 136 where that's the theme of that particular psalm. You'll notice about midway of that slide, it certainly is true, isn't it? That, and I think even our bulletin today highlighted the fact that Thanksgiving is a bit of a holiday that finds itself nestled between other things like Halloween and Christmas. And sometimes Thanksgiving is given rather short respect. Sometimes you know, store department stores already have their Christmas trees and already have their various Christmas paraphernalia available. Sometimes you'd see Thanksgiving might easily be passed by as just a day to watch some football and rest from work. Well, that's a bit of a blessing, I guess, but there are other things about it, biblically speaking, that are certainly worthy of our consideration. And so this morning, why don't we reflect on Psalm 136. Please be turning back there. Allow me to read the first nine verses of that chapter. Even as we do so, you're quickly going to notice a pattern among the things that are presented. And so I'll make some comments about that after we have read it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. Now the first nine verses of that psalm have already pointed out a number of interesting things, but let me suggest a few additional thoughts. On this slide, you'll notice a few of my comments. The beginning statement of the opening verse is this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. 
the psalmist was in a position to realize how much was needful and how appropriate it was to express thanksgiving unto God. And he's about to tell us a number of reasons as to why that's so. But might you and I today recognize that many of these same reasons are certainly appropriate for us. You and I should never forget, you see, from verse number 1, that God is good. We live in a world that's often going to miss, but it's not God's fault. We live in a world in which directions and movement in things is often in a way not consistent with the will of God, but it is not God's fault. The devil is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. He's the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2 verse 2. It is he, you see, who often wields such influence in the lives of people. May we never forget our God is good. And for that reason alone, how right it is to give thanks to Him. I realize that you and I often, no doubt, have reflected upon the needfulness of that giving of thanks to Him. And yet the first word in the opening verse is, Oh! a Hebrew word of exclamation. It's almost as if we should feel a degree of excitement and enthusiasm as the opportunity is presented to give thanks unto God. It is at this point maybe another thought or two. That opening phrase is found in some other psalms as well. Would you look back to Psalm 107? The opening statement of that psalm reads like this, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord." Word for word, the same as this one. Look back to the opening statement of Psalm 106. Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. You've probably noticed that one's almost identical to the opening statement of Psalm 136. There are other psalms wherein similar statements are found, but isn't it intriguing that the psalmist on at least these few occasions found it vital and found it so interesting to present the encouragement to give thanks. I hope that each of us then will pause on many occasions and express to God, because He's good, our heartfelt thanks to Him. Have the lines in your life and mine fallen into pleasant places? Now sometimes we have our challenges and we have our difficulties. We understand that. But I still think it's wise for us to notice there are many individuals whose lot in life is worse than ours. There are others whose conditions and circumstances are far more challenging. And yet, the opening verse says, He is good. The second observation I would invite you to make is the way that verse ends. And you perhaps have noted it already. Let me take this opportunity to mention it. The verse ended, For His mercy endureth forever. The translation that Ryan was reading read that as His steadfast love. Maybe your translation reads it similar to that. Either way you look at that, did you notice that every single verse, every one of them without exception, ends the same way? This psalm has 26 verses in it, and every one of them, all 26, end for His mercy endureth forever. It's as if the psalmist had reached a point where he couldn't emphasize enough the steadfast love of God, the mercy that God extends, and the bountifulness with which He has so blessed the human family. 
as you and I consider that today, do we not have reason in light of those same things to thank God? Quite often in our public prayers, at least here at the building, we express thanks to God for the day, for the blessing of health, for the opportunity of assembly, as well as so many other things. I trust that as we make those prayers at our heart, as it expresses that thanksgiving, is truly mindful that there are others in our world who don't enjoy those degree of blessings. At this point on the slide, I've asked you to notice that this opening nine verses, if I were asked to divide the psalm, it would seem the opening nine verses fit into one category. Let's highlight what that is. As you can see, the title I've given is Creation. This psalm, you see, doesn't reach directly to the particulars of your life or mine. It goes back to the beginning before anybody's life, the nature of God's creation. Isn't it true? We ought to thank God just for that. Let's start again in verse number 4. To him who alone doeth great wonders. The idea of creation, you see, is only due to God. Mankind could not ever have done it. Mankind doesn't have the capacity, nor the power, nor the ingenuity. God alone is the one that did it, and in fact, that verse highlights that reality. Because verse number 5 goes on to say, "...to him that by wisdom made the heavens." Our mind rushes back to Genesis chapter 1. God made the heavens the marvelous wonder of this creation and all that it affords, beginning with Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God made the heaven and the earth. As He made the heavens, notice again the psalmist here says that's reason alone to offer thanks to Him. The Bible describes the local heaven, which is the atmosphere of earth. It describes the more distant heaven, which is where the stars are. And it describes that third heaven where the throne of God is. And yet, as the reference here is made, it would seem to be to that more distant place, the the cosmos, outer space, and to that near heavens, which is where the birds are. The text highlights in that same verse, to Him. And you'll notice that by wisdom this was made. Scientists have begun to realize, at least in part, that the characteristic of Earth's atmosphere and even some of the particulars of outer space are sufficiently blessing and beneficial to the human family here on Earth that they again have been tremendous in light of encouraging healthfulness, at least on the whole, and protection from things in outer space. To say the very least, by wisdom God contrived it. And you'll also notice verse 6 says, "...to him that stretched out the earth above the waters." God stretched out the earth. As you and I reflect upon the third day of God's creative activity, we remember that He again brought about the nature of the waters beneath, the waters above, and the dry lands appeared. It's fair to say that the nature and the characteristic of that creation was a part of what was worthy of thanking God for. Sometimes maybe you and I are a bit amiss on that part. We thank Him, you see, for health, and we thank Him for the particular physical blessings of life. Do we include in that the absolute nature of His creative activity, as highlighted in the opening verses of Genesis chapter 1? This next verse goes on to say, 
to Him that made great lights. And He's about to list them for us. We are taken to day number four of God's creation here. He made the great light known as the sun to rule over the day, and the lesser light known as the moon to rule over the night. And yet, do we thank God for the moon? Do we thank Him for the sun? It would not be inappropriate to do so. That sun that provides so much of the necessary energy for earth, that moon that provides so much available characteristic for direction and guidance even in the hours of the night. There are other verses that talk about, by the way, the blessing that the moon affords. Maybe this isn't the lesson to develop all of that. But this verse would tell us God's steadfast love, His mercy, is represented even in the sun and the moon. May we thank Him for these things. I've asked you to notice at the bottom of the slide some particular quotes out of this psalm. He made the heavens by wisdom. He made great lights. He stretched out the earth above the waters. All of that taken out of this psalm, not Genesis 1. As you and I close that slide, verse number 9 will say, For His mercy endureth forever. Now we'll develop that thought a little more carefully in a minute, but God's steadfast love never ends. He loves you and me today just as much as He ever has. And He hopes that we're faithful. He wants us to be faithful followers of His. And He desires, you see, that we be those individuals who praise Him in thankfulness because that's the best for our life as well. Let's move into the next section of the psalm. Beginning in verse number 10, a section I've entitled as follows, Favor Toward Mankind. These opening verses cast a spotlight on the creation. Beginning in verse 10, it says, To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for His mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him which led His people through the wilderness, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him which smote great kings, for His mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for His mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for His mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for inheritance, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever. Let's pause again. You notice with me that now the psalmist has brought recollection to historical events. Historical matters among people, and particularly the people of Israel. And he highlighted a number of matters in their history. May I suggest that this affords us an opportunity to at least remember this. Shouldn't we be thankful for the record of biblical history? He could talk factually about the Red Sea being parted. He could talk factually about the firstborn in Egypt being slain. He could talk factually about the movement of the children of Israel through the wilderness and the moving into the land which had been occupied by others. Those things are not just stories. 
Sometimes today, I'm afraid that we use the word story, and we use it very inappropriately. You know, we read our stories to our children, and sometimes they're just made-up fables. And yet, they may well have good lessons in them, no doubt about that. But they're not historical events. And sometimes there are those who will refer to the records of the Bible as stories. I think we do great injustice to call it a story, at least borrowing that kind of language. You see, these are historical events. There was a children of Israel. The Red Sea did part for them. And it was the God of heaven who made it so. And just as surely as we thank Him for His creation, we should be able to thank Him for the provision in history of His working among people. God cares about His creation. And that includes primarily people such as you and me. He loves us. His love was shown to them in the way in which He heard their cries, Exodus 2, 23 and following. And thus He sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt. They did come out. And they were preserved, and they did come to a rich, flowing land of milk and honey. With those kinds of ideas in mind, I've asked you to notice by quotation a few more statements out of this psalm. He smote Egypt to the firstborn. There is historical record that, in fact, one of the Pharaohs very tragically lost his son. Well, you and I aren't surprised. The Bible says he did. However, those Egyptologists often wonder, how believable is that? Well, you and I don't have any doubt about it because the Bible testifies it happened. Not only that, look at the next one. He brought out Israel from among them. The nation of Egypt at that time was the strongest nation on earth. You see, other nations such as Babylon and Assyria, they hadn't yet arisen to power. Egypt was the strongest, and yet, and yet, a band of slaves in that land had their freedom. Now, you and I know that no power would just let the slaves run free. The Bible tells us how that came to pass. It was in the death of the firstborn. And so the Bible testifies of it, and yet we're admonished to thank God for the reality of His biblical provision and for the nature of how we can be assured of things. Aren't you and I thankful? Aren't we so thankful that we can know how to live? We live in a world of confusion, mass confusion, where people don't know the right hand from the left even, borrowing the words of Hosea, or rather Jonah chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And yet, you and I have an anchored presentation in which right is right and wrong is never right. And there is no reason to confuse them. And may I say, how thankful we ought to be for God's sufficient love toward us in that we have a book at our ready disposal, which is not just a book, but the Word of God. And in that Word, we read truly about God's blessed provision for us here and His eternal provision for those who will sufficiently love and respect His Word. Look at the next observation. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. God has acted on behalf of those who are His people. Today, we also appreciate that that kind of message is a very challenging one and a very encouraging one. For after all, isn't it so? From James 5.16, The effectual fervent prayer 
of a righteous man availeth much. When you and I bend, if you please, the ear of God with our prayers, and we direct our heartfelt appreciations, including thanksgiving to Him, it not only brings privilege, and not only does it bring, of course, praise, but God will answer the prayers of His children. No wonder in that light. The next observation is His division of the Red Sea. The psalmist could speak to people whose heritage had been. Look what God did for your people. What about you and me today? What has He done for you and me in our lives? Maybe you know about things in the lives of your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, monumental events such that if things had been different, who knows what might have been different in your family's history. And yet... You'll notice that the psalmist here could praise and thank God for His steadfast love, even in light of those biblically recorded events. The last two, having to do with favor on the one hand and His provision of them through the wilderness. Has God been good to you and me? Through days that were sometimes dark, through times that were no doubt challenging, Issues that brought difficulties on both right and left hand. And maybe at the time we couldn't see the bright horizon ahead. And yet, after a few days or months, we were finally able to and realize it was by the power of God we emerged victorious. And it was not because of our wisdom or not because of our innate strength because we had none. It was because of power higher than we put the light at the end of that, and we were able to pursue by faith that which ultimately would lead to our emergent victory. Hebrews eleven six will say, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The psalmist has so far mentioned a number of things, and yet our list goes on like this. I think I'll solicit some help to turn the slide, please. Thank you, Greg. He smote famous kings. Well, again, that's a reminder of the events recorded for us, specifically in the book of Numbers. But one more time, look at the enemies. Israel met up against peoples who not only were stationed in that land, but who were well acquainted with it. They knew where to hide. They knew how to contrive particular methods of attack. Israel was a newcomer to that area, and yet Israel was the victor. How did that happen? Because God was with them. And as this psalm testifies, because God saw to it that those events happened in that way. I'm sure that you and I can think in our own lives about moments events that happened in particular ways, and upon reflection you may wonder, well, why did it ever turn out that way then? It didn't any other time. Could it be that the God of heaven was moving in a way, in such a way that will lead me to issue an invitation to you? Come back tonight if at all you can. We're going to look tonight at a lesson I've entitled, God's Control of Events. What about the events in your life and mine? Does God have a hand in it? 
Let's study that, that particular passage, that particular theme this evening as we do so as a part of our evening worship. For right now, make no mistake, the psalmist was very much apprised of the fact that God was worthy of being thanked. For His goodness had shown itself in so many ways. In many ways, I think that the best is saved for last. Let's close the psalm then in the remaining verses and build a few more lessons like this. In verses 23 to 26, allow me to read them as well. Who redeemed, I'm sorry, who remembered us in our lowest state, for His mercy endureth forever, and hath redeemed us from our enemies, for His mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for His mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for His mercy endureth forever. I hope you noticed with me that the psalm ends in the very same way it began. O give thanks unto the God of heaven. In other words, it's a set of bookends, and between is a very extensive list of reasons whereby you and I should appreciate the importance of giving thanks unto God. One thing was the creation. The second was the characteristic favor toward the human family. But in the latter verses, let's make it personal. Put your name in the list and put mine, if you please, as you and I think carefully about things like this. Verse 23, who remembered us. Did you notice the psalmist has spoken at length about what happened to Israel, but that was generations in the past. Now he mentions us. Living at that time, what had God done for Israel of that day? Well, many things from the Psalms could also be listed. But let's move in this direction. Put the word us, meaning you and me today, in the list. What has He done for you and me lately? What has God continued to do on our behalf? May I suggest verse 23 says, He has remembered us in our lowest state. Our lowest state. There are certainly some ways in which that applies equally well to each of us. I've asked you to comment, to think with me about this application in particular. There is no estate lower than sin. It is separation from God. Isaiah 59 will tell us, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that He cannot save, neither is ear heavy that He cannot hear. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and have hid His face from you that He will not hear. And every one of us were in that state at one time, the lowest state of sin. God remembered you and me even in that estate. He loved us. He knew where we were, but He wanted us to be in a better place than that. And so this following text is maybe the most famous in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you and me even when we were sinners. The Roman writer, Paul, would even say it that way. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And yet the psalmist, years and years before the eventuality of the cross, would say, God remembered us in our lowest state. That certainly is true of you and me. And He made possible a way that that sin could be forgiven. But not only that, look further in that same verse. 
who remembered us in our low estate. Sometimes that estate of sin is a state that can become a bit attractive. In other words, we might well choose this particular lot, but we have be quick to say that even if that's our choice, God still wants us to choose better than that. And He still wants us very, very much to come to our senses and to make a choice of leaving the pig pen. Just like the prodigal son did in Luke 16. Here, we find in that particular chapter where he found himself, and the text says in verse 24, he came to himself. But the father was waiting all along. God wants us to come to our senses And so that verse ends by saying, His mercy endureth forever. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. There's a song in our book by that name. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Aren't you and I thankful for that? Those points in my life and yours, when we were living in the pig pen, and at that time we in fact may have even been happy about it. God had enough long-suffering character to wait for us to come to our senses, to emerge from that filth of sin, and to live a better life in direction to Him. The next verse then will say this, "...and hath redeemed us." Have you been redeemed? If you have, you have every reason to be thankful. Thanksgiving will mean more to you than anybody else. It's more than just turkey and dressing, as much as we might enjoy that. And it's more than cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie. We may enjoy that too. If we've been redeemed, we have reason to be thankful because we're headed to heaven, a place where all of the difficulties of this life are not to be found, where all the joys of that place are even greater than what we might imagine. And so when he says, "...who hath redeemed us from our enemies, the chief enemy is the devil," we understand that. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. He is the one, you see, who is described in John chapter 12 as the one who has our interest in terms of ill welfare. He's our enemy. In Zechariah chapter 3, he is portrayed as the one standing between us and what's right. May we never forget that. And if we've been redeemed from His evil influence, may we be thankful. That verse goes on to say, Redeemed us for enemies. Now surely the devil has many angels. Those who choose to follow Him and many ministers of His, and they of course can wreak much havoc in our life. The psalmist no doubt knew many particulars about those. David himself had often written about it those who had tried to kill him, those who had tried to make his life miserable. Sometimes you and I know people like that. They'll stab you in the back just as soon as look at you. They, you see, are out for self, and they're out for taking care of what they perceive is best, regardless what your interests or best welfare may be. The psalmist says, we can be thankful we've been delivered from such circumstances. Not only that, look at the next verse. Who giveth food to all flesh? Did you enjoy breakfast today? Are you going to enjoy some lunch? Most all of us, I think, probably can easily say we eat our share. And we enjoy a bountiful table and abundant access to food. 
Not all people have it so fortunate. And yet here it says, "...who giveth food to all flesh." Not only the human family, God takes care of the animals. They have plenty. He takes care of us too. The 106th Psalm develops that in some detail. At least for now, could we at least say the physical provisions of life are things for which we have abundant reason to be thankful. I seem to recall that Jesus on one occasion said, Give us this day our daily bread. When He was teaching His apostles to pray, isn't it true that He pointed a spotlight on the daily provision of God in light of our food? May we thank God for that and always recognize that He has made it available. It is with all that said that verse 26, which was our lesson text, closes our lesson today. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for His mercy endureth forever. Many reasons have at least been mentioned in passing as you and I have thought about the psalm. As we look at our conclusion slide, we certainly can make these statements. The creation is one reason to praise God. He does all things right and He does all things well. The creation has stood the test of continuance from the beginning until now. How many things in the human family could be said that of? And yet, you also notice He has been good to the human family. He's been good to you and me individually. I would say that Psalm 92 verse 1 then makes this continuing development. Not only is God good, but in light of His goodness to us and His steadfast love toward us, we have reason to sing in thanksgiving unto Him. Sometimes we sing songs in which, as a part of that song, we thank God for that which He's done. Those are very appropriate. And today, I hope we've been set on course to perhaps look upon thanksgiving in the way the psalmist did, with a heart full, ready to express the great provision to God in light of His mercy toward us. It might be in this assembly today, though, that there's someone who perhaps has looked on the great blessing of God, but has not taken advantage of it. Maybe you've enjoyed so much water and food and the physical things of life, but not only that, you know Jesus died for you, but to this point it's meant nothing. You've never obeyed the gospel. You've never turned your life over to God. Don't you realize what a mistake that is? Don't you realize what an eternally damnable thing that is? Because there's coming a day of judgment wherein God will only permit into heaven those who are His children. Today, if you're not a child of God and a faithful one at that, it may well be you've never become a Christian. No better day could there be than this one. You need to believe in Jesus and repent of your sins, confess His name and be baptized. If you have known the wonder of that, but you haven't lived faithfully to it, come back to your first love. Everyone can make mistakes. Everyone can make poor choices. Repent of those things. Make confession of them. Come back to the God that loves you. He'll be delighted to forgive you. And just like this psalm has echoed, you can praise God for His mercy endures forever. Today, if we could be of any assistance in any of these ways, let us do it at once while together we stand and sing.